0: It's a new year, and if one thing is certain, it's that businesses are facing a lot of uncertainty. Key parts of the Inflation Reduction Act, including the new Book Minimum Tax, are kicking into effect. But why did this policy even come into the fold? Will it really stop companies from paying zero in taxes, as its proponents claim? And will a new Republican House try to repeal it? Hello, and welcome to The Deduction, a Tax Foundation podcast, My name is Jesse Solis, communications manager here at the Tax Foundation. And for our first episode of 2023, we are rejoined by our senior economist, Erica York. Erica, welcome back to the show and to work.
1: Thanks, Jesse. It's great to be back after several months off.
0: Yeah, yeah. You had a baby last year, which is very exciting. And uh, how's that been going, first of all?
1: It's great. He's now almost six months old and growing like a weed.
0: Wow. Do they start crawling at six months? I don't remember.
1: He's trying. He he okay. does the little push up and wobble thing, but he's he's not crawling yet.
0: <laughs> I feel that. I, I do that in the mornings too. Uh, so Erica, before we get to the the meat of our episode, let's take a step back and kind of just do a quick recap of what happened in tax policy in twenty twenty three. What were kind of some of the highlights that? happened in D.C. last year.
1: Yeah. So I was gone for, for a good six months of it. But if, if you all go back to uh, we, we can even go back a little bit further to the, the 2020 campaign season. We heard President Biden campaign on a variety of tax increases on corporations and on individuals. Then we saw those ideas come out in his budget when he first took office. We saw them debated in 2021 in the context of Build Back Better which didn't end up um, getting enough steam behind it to, to pass. And so then in 2022, we saw the Inflation Reduction Act happen that was a revival of a lot of the policies from BBB, which were in um, the, the president's uh, campaign proposals and his budget, too.
0: And what were some of those things in the IRA that got signed into law?
1: Yeah. So we estimated at Tax Foundation that it would raise about $670 billion. That's from a variety of tax increases, some on individuals, some on corporations. Um, It has funding for IRS enforcement, which is proposed to, or which is estimated to increase revenue as well. And then it had drug pricing provisions. And then on the spending side of things, um, it creates or expands several tax credits to the tune of about $350 billion, as well as some spending on other programs of about $150 billion. And of course, the largest tax increase in the Inflation Reduction Act was the new minimum tax on corporate book income?
0: So a lot of those things you mentioned in the IRA are already making their way back into the news right now. When it comes to the IRS and other things, but let's focus on that last thing you talked about: the um, new minimum tax on corporate book income. At its most basic, how would you define that, the book income tax?
1: So income can be measured in different ways for different audiences. Relevant to to this discussion, on one hand, we have book income, that is a whole set of rules. Um, created and maintained by FASB, the Financial Accounting Standards Board. And its main audience is investors who are looking to see the financial health of a corporation and decide how they want to invest their money. So there's rules for that that determine how corporations calculate their book income. Then we also have, of course, taxable income created by lawmakers. They enact laws that are the tax rules, and that's a totally separate measure, Designed to raise revenue and encourage um, certain activities or discourage them. Um, so, enter the the minimum tax idea. Rather than lawmakers saying, "Hey, we're going to change the tax rules because we want corporations to pay more taxes," they said, "Oh, we're going to use these book income rules and create a minimum tax based on that." So, put in a really simplified way, the corporate alternative minimum tax will look at a corporation's tax liability under the tax rules and it'll compare that to 15% of an adjusted financial statement income measure. And the business essentially has to pay whichever is larger. If they end up paying the tax based on the book income measure, they'll receive a credit for that alternative minimum tax that they pay, and then they can carry that forward and use it to offset their regular tax liability in future years.
0: Wow. And and, um, for our constant listeners, they may know this, but anyone tuning in for the first time. We have an episode that we recorded back in September with Professor Scott Diring of Duke, kind of going into more of the accounting side of how this thing works. Uh, But Erica, for purposes of this episode, let's talk about kind of the policy and how this came about. Um, Was this a longstanding priority for President Biden, or is this kind of something new That found its way into the IRA as a kind of compromise from things he may have not gotten in BBB or from his campaign, et cetera.
1: Each year, we kind of see these studies pop up that seem to have shocking headlines. Oh, a corporation had really significant book income that it reported on its financial statement, but it didn't pay anything in federal income taxes or it had a really small tax bill. That may seem shocking to some folks, but as as you guys got into that into in the last episode, the reality is really much more mundane. We have tax rules and we have accounting rules. They're different and so they can result in different measures because they have totally different purposes. So nothing, you know, sus is going on. It's just different rules that, that corporations are following. But those annual studies that point out that the differences really create a buzz and we saw... The first, at least in recent history, proposal to tax book income from Senator Elizabeth Warren in early 2019. Then later in 2019, we saw then candidate Biden propose an alternative minimum tax based on corporate book income. That was featured in his presidential budget, that was featured in Build Back Better. And then it was featured again in IRA. So we we have seen this as kind of a recurring theme. Um, and Democratic proposals to increase taxes on corporations. It's one of the ways that, that they have come up to do that. The minimum tax we have now, though, changed quite a bit throughout the process. So Biden's original proposal would have applied a minimum tax to corporations with $100 million or more in book profits, and it provided exemptions for net operating loss deductions and foreign tax credits. Of course, this was the campaign proposal, so it wasn't, you know, full-fledged um, policy proposal, like what we have now, that those were just the, the highlights of it. But as it was debated, um, essentially, we saw more and more red flags pop up like, oh, the book minimum tax would create an issue for this type of industry or for this type of expense that has a different rule um, for the financial rules versus the tax rules. And so as it was debated, we saw um, these issues get addressed with exemptions. So what we ended up with as exemptions for depreciation write-offs for a host of business tax credits like the R&D tax credit, as well as all of these tax credits that were expanded in IRA, so on and so forth. So we ended up with a, a proposal that, that was enacted um, smaller in scope than, than what was originally uh, put forth.
0: So they took a big idea that is a bit confusing to begin with and kind of made it even more confusing before they decided to enact it in the law. Am I getting that right there?
1: Yep, that's that's exactly right.
0: I know we talked about this offhand before, but um, are corporations ready for this tax even? Like, did they kind of prepare for this during the debate, or are they kind of stuck here early January just having to comply with all these new rules and not really knowing what to make of it?
1: Yeah, the, the name of the game there is Uncertainty, so... The um, Treasury Department, IRS, didn't release interim guidance on this until just a few days before it it went into effect. So companies are now liable for it. They have to figure out their their first um, estimated tax payment for the first quarter of this year based on interim guidance. That doesn't even address a lot of the the big questions that, that companies will have when they put pen to paper and try to figure out what their tax liability is under this. Big picture, I mean, you have the Treasury Department. The folks there are experts in tax law, right? They're not experts in book income, which is regulated and, and decided by FASB, which is in Connecticut, not in Washington D.C. So, um, getting regs for this is going to be complicated. The the law itself left a lot of things up to the determination of the Treasury Department to figure out. So, essentially, we're we're at a really uncertain spot with this right now, and it's super complicated. Not only do companies have to figure out their financial income based on the FASB rules, they have to figure out their taxable income based on the tax code. The minimum tax creates a third set of rules because it's not just, oh, look at your book income. It's look at your book income with all of these adjustments we decided to make. So essentially, we have a third definition of income now that that companies will have to calculate.
0: That's um it's certainly a lot. Um, I'm glad I'm not an accountant as usual. <laughs> um, but Erica, so this thing still did become law. It still received a you know majority approval from the last Congress. Um, so and just to kind of give our viewers, our listeners, a you know whole rounded um, take on this thing, are there any pros to this tax that you see, or is it just all bad. Is there any legitimacy in your eyes to why this thing should be law?
1: Well, supporters will claim that it's going to put an end to corporations reporting significant profits on, on their financial statements and then paying little to no um, federal income tax liability, which is seen as this huge problem that needs a solution. But as we've discussed briefly here, and as you go into in that that September podcast episode, um, different rules resulting in different measures of income is not actually a problem that that many folks believe it to be. And if it was a problem, then the right solution would be, all right, let's go into the tax code, figure out what's causing this and, and pare that back. It's not, let's layer on this super complex tax on top of the tax system we already have. So I'm surprised I, <laughs> I I don't see very many pros to it.
0: <laughs> I mean, come next year, though, after this thing being on the books for a year, are we still going to see those studies that say X corporation paid zero tax in 2023? Or is it really not the end all be all to that debate?
1: It, yeah. So so it's not going to put it into that, right? Because we, we saw all of these exemptions be added. Um, so company can still reduce its tax liability with accelerated depreciation, with general business credits like the R&D credit, green energy credits. If they generate um, a loss, they still get a net operating loss deduction, and and so on and so forth. And there's also just the size. A company, to um, to have to pay the minimum tax over a three-year period, you have to average $1 billion or more in profits. So if a company makes under that, they're not subject to the tax. So, in other words, um, lawmakers added back in lots of these tax provisions that supposedly are, are the problem in the first place.
0: So you talked about uncertainty, confusion, just a, a lot being thrown at companies right now with this new tax. Um, I think as we wrap up at this first section here, are there any economic ramifications to this thing beyond giving more headaches to accountants? Um I, I know Tax Foundation, we've done some modeling on this proposal. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We, we've we modeled it and it's actually the most economically damaging provision that was included in the the new law in the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, our model indicates it will reduce long run GDP by about 0.1 percent and it will cost about 20,000 jobs. Um it remains, you know, a substantial increase on corporate income, even though it did allow some of these provisions like accelerated depreciation and, and general business credits back in. Another thing that's really problematic with it is that it has really disparate impacts across industries and companies. and that's just a function of the gaps in the rules for um, tax taxable income and financial income. It, it can hit companies weirdly depending on, how those rules affect them. Another, you know, potential downside of this is that it could dampen the usefulness of financial reporting if companies um, manage their earnings in a way that that makes them, you know, reduce their minimum tax liability, then that financial reporting may not be as useful to investors because it's being affected by being taxed.
0: And on that happy note, we will be right back. We are back with our next section, which we call "Myths and Misconceptions. We tackle some common talking points uh, surrounding these policies and get down to the nitty gritty of them. Are they right? Are they wrong? Et cetera. Uh, So, Erica, just this week, uh, the president himself tweeted out about this new corporate minimum tax. Uh, He said the days of wealthiest companies not paying taxes are over. I think we've addressed this partly in part one, but just for the sake of the section two, is he right? Are those days over?
1: No, he's not. Um, Like we mentioned, those exemptions sort of kneecap the ability of the minimum tax to to do what he claims it'll do.
0: All right. But what what would happen to kind of make that statement a little more accurate? What would need to take place with this tax there?
1: Yeah, you truly have to apply a minimum tax with no exceptions. Uh, And and there's the rub. Lawmakers don't actually want to revoke the R&D tax credit or bonus depreciation or net operating loss deductions. Those things are important elements of the tax code. They were purposefully put there. Um, and so it, it kind of highlights that most of this effort is is kind of window dressing. But unfortunately, it's window dressing with bad economic effects.
0: And I think that kind of gets into my second myth I want to tackle here. Um, and, uh, other supporters of these minimum taxes, they'll say this closes loopholes because it forces companies to at minimum pay this new tax. Is that true? Um, I think you kind of alluded it in your last answer, but are, is this really closing any loopholes here or helping companies avoid loopholes, if you will?
1: Well, it's kind of like a homeowner who takes the mortgage interest deduction or a parent who takes the child tax credit. Those aren't loopholes. Those are provisions lawmakers put into the tax code, much like provisions that corporations can use, um, whether it's a green energy tax credit or a faster depreciation write-off, and is allowed under book income tax rules. The only way that a corporation benefited from those provisions was by investing in capital or performing R&D, which are activities that have economic benefits and that that lawmakers want to see. So most of the gaps that, that we're talking about here that will be targeted by the minimum tax are purposeful gaps or they're timing differences or they're simply something that's omitted in book income or omitted in taxable income. Uh, not a a loophole.
0: Erica, as we wrap things up here, um, I know it's not out yet, but you have an op-ed coming out soon on this topic um, itself that we'll be sure to link to in episode notes um, if it's live by that time. Uh, But it's 2023. You're back for maternity leave. Congress is back. We've got a new House. We've got a new Senate. Still same president. Um, What do you think is going to happen kind of just broadly in the tax base this year? The House has already made a lot of noise. Is this something they're going to want to try to amend to or get rid of? Or do you think this thing's just going to be here for the time being and maybe a future Congress will look at it again?
1: I think it's here to stay in the near term. We will watch and see if there are any hearings on it in the House if they decide to take a closer look at this or or scrutinize the the regulations as they come out. The main thing will be, you know, watching how Treasury implements this what regulations they promulgate, what the feedback is from from various businesses on how that affects them. So I think that that's that's where we'll be at on the alternative minimum tax. Um, as far as other tax policy, I don't see a, a lot actually getting passed into law when we have divided government. But we'll see at the, the end of the year, you know, if there's a push for, for anything, um, especially on the radar, will be bonus depreciation and what happens with that, because, of course, that's dropped down to 80 percent. Um, and so we'll see if there's any action there or any action on R&D expensing, which, which is currently expired.
0: And for all the latest, we'll be sure to keep you updated on this podcast and at taxfoundation.org. Uh, Erica, what else are you working on in the first quarter of this year? Anything exciting coming up from you?
1: Yeah, there's some new data out from the IRS on um, individual income taxes in 2020 that, that we'll be taking a look at also watching BEA for some data on, on 2022 incomes uh, that, that we'll hope to get some analysis out on as well.
0: Nice. And uh, where can people follow you online to stay up to date on all that and more?
1: Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter, Erica D. York. And then, of course, the Tax Foundation website is where all, all of my research will be.
0: Erica, on behalf of all of us, we're excited you're back um, and we'll be sure to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jesse. The Deduction is produced by Dan Carbajal. To learn more about the Tax Foundation and the Deduction, visit us online at taxfoundation.org slash podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Tax Foundation, as well as on Twitter at DeductionPod. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on The Deduction.